Hello, listeners. Beyond the Mask, in conjunction with NBC RNA, is pleased to announce that listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how to submit them, go to our website. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Well, Sharon, interesting world that we find ourselves in today. Absolutely. You know, we're recording this on... Inauguration Day. Inauguration Day. Day. So nobody quite knew what was going to happen today. True, that. And people are looking forward to see what's going to happen in the financial world, of course, which is your world. Of course. You know, we're going to talk a little bit today about some of that stuff. And, you know, I thought maybe we would title this one, Life in a 50-50 World. I like it. You I like, like that? it. It took me a minute to get it. Sorry about that. I had my COVID shot yesterday. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> Even You're though a I've, just got a, I've just got a sore arm, but otherwise I feel fine. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think so many folks in this country right now feel divided. Sure. Um, and we'll talk a little bit today about that in terms of what that means for the financial markets and maybe economically and where the market is going because, you know, our Republican friends right now are mm -hmm. extremely upset exactly. um, and they're not real happy with, you know, where they think we're going. And our friends on the other side of the aisle are pretty elated and excited about, you know, the opportunities under this new administration. So, so hopefully today we'll bring some ideas and some information that will maybe help soothe people a little bit. I like that. But you know. before we go down that path, I've got to throw something out there. Have uh -oh. you watched The Social Dilemma yet? I have not. On Netflix. No. It is a fantastic documentary and they go back and they trace one of the things they trace is political polarity hmm. and they peg it to 2009 and what happened in 2009 well we had an interesting economy in 2009 well outside of that and, <laughs> yeah um, outside of the bubble and <laughs> the foreclosures and the uh, banking industry well i guess that was that when obama was elected social media came into being and they peg it 
to social media because everything is based on algorithms, which, of course, is a mathematical thing, which would be something you would be fascinated by. Yeah. And how these feeds feed you what you're interested in. So hmm. that's the only thing there you, you see. Uh-huh. So, let's so you say, think that's your world. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because that's all that you will be exposed to. So if I, you know, let's just do something apolitical. If I look for some kind of shoes right. or click through, then all see of a sudden everywhere. I just start seeing shoes on my feeds on all of them. But Facebook has perfected this. It is it is amazing. So we are constantly being manipulated. Oh, oh my God. Constantly. It's amazing how hmm. they put this thing together because they do a fictitionalized piece where there's actually somebody at a board and, and they're talking about manipulating people uh-huh. through social media. Oh, absolutely. You've got to watch it. Wow. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. That's, uh, But, you know, I mean, we all know it. It's just how do we change that moving forward? And I think, again, that's probably part of this great divide that we see oh, in our country right now. it absolutely is. It was a really big eye-opener for me. I mean, I knew it on some level, but they put some teeth to it for me yeah. in this documentary. Interesting. You've got to watch it. I will. So, you know, what's going to happen under this new administration? We're hearing a lot of stuff coming out of Washington right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Biden is actually going to be signing some legislation today to undo some of the stuff that Trump has put into place. But I think one thing that we can all agree on is that there is going to be more stimulus money put out there. Right. You know, at this point, if we take back and look at the stimulus from last year and then what they did through the Federal Reserve and what they did through the CARES Act and they did another piece of legislation at the end of the year, you know, they've pumped about $7 trillion Mm -hmm. into this economy. Think about that in terms of the total economy, which is $21 trillion prior to COVID. So so that a third. About a third they've pumped so far. Now we're going to get probably another $1,400, you know, for folks that qualify. Mm Mm-hmm. In stimulus money, at least that's the Biden plan at this point. So, you know, we think about that. That's going to be well over another trillion dollars there. Okay. So we're seeing all this stimulus money being pumped, and ultimately that money gets spent, which drives our economy right. and pushes it forward. Because you have taught me that we are a consumer-based Absolutely. economy. But what we're seeing happen, and this is really interesting to watch this dynamic, is The folks at the bottom of the spectrum, income-wise and so forth, they're really getting left behind. Okay. Because they're getting this money, but they're having to use this money to live off of. They're having to to, for their basic essentials. Is that what I'm saying? Well, they are. They're spending it, but they're spending it on the basic essentials. Now, what's happening at the top is because there's so much money out there being printed, it's driving our stock market up it's driving mm-hmm. property prices up mm-hmm. oh, well folks ha- at the bottom they don't own stocks right. they don't own property so we're seeing this great divide widen even more so the people at the top they really weren't hurt that much by covid i mean if you no. look at the markets last year you look at their real estate holdings everything eventually went up but it's the people who were you know at the bottom of the economic system they got hurt dramatically. Sure. sure. So, well, let me ask you a question, though, because I watch a lot of historical 
shows. And has there always been a divide? It seems like there's always has been. Well, and yeah. I mean, and you will know the numbers better than I do. Is this divide larger than it's ever been? Or is it just the way it is? I don't yeah. know the answer no, to that. No, it, it, it has gotten a lot worse. What we're seeing is the middle class is kind of getting squeezed. Sure. Um, and you've got the people at the bottom who are, are not doing well at all currently. Mm-hmm. You've got the middle class that's shrinking and shrinking, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are even being pushed down to the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder. And then you've got folks at the top that just who keep getting keep getting richer, richer and, and richer. And, well, and you have to have money to make money. Well, you do, and and that's one of the problems that you know we do see currently is that eventually, I mean, it's great when the middle class is expanding and you're actually getting money to the middle class and you're bringing people up from you know the lower class mm-hmm. earners up to the middle class. I mean that that really grows our country because there's more people in the middle and the bottom than there is at the top. Right. So, you know, some of the policies I think that we're going to see is going to be more targeted policies. Now, this $1,400, I don't, I don't really think that's going to help the, right. the lower end of the spectrum. It will temporarily. But what it's going to do is it's going to speed up that money getting out into the economy, mm-hmm. which is going to drive our markets forward because people are going to buy more stuff. They're going to do more things. Sales numbers are going to look better. It's driving property prices up and so forth. So, you know, for this year, as you know, I kind of look out at where we are, this stimulus is supporting our stock market right now. So is it a temporary fix? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Well, yeah. Anytime you're offering stimulus, it's a temporary fix to where you hope that it leads to the economy soothing itself and continuing to run the way it should. Okay. So we're, we're on a sugar high right now. All right. That We're artificially stimulating the economy right now okay. through what we're doing. I like the analogy, the um, sugar high, but yeah. that also is alarming because what happens after a sugar high? Well, you know, the hope is, is that we get back to the economy we had prior to COVID. You know, we were zooming along and, you know, things were going great. And, you know, I think we can get there again. I mean, COVID was more of an event-driven recession. It wasn't like 2008, you know, we've talked about this before. But, you know, I, I think we can and should get back there. You know, none of us can predict the future, obviously. But, you know, this stimulus money is helping. We've seen that. We saw when the stimulus money went away the last quarter that numbers fell off a little bit. Right. So we'll start to see some of that catch back up here in the first well, quarter. Well, all right. Let's roll this forward. What does that mean for the debt? And what does that ultimately mean? Because the debt has just skyrocketed. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a more of a longer term issue. I mean, you know, right now with rates being low... You know, obviously, the government thinks that they can afford to pay the debt service on that, and it's not a big drag on the economy. If rates were to rise dramatically, that debt service would go up, and we're going to have an issue. And eventually it will, and eventually we're going to have to deal with the debt. But the government thinks about debt completely different than we do as an average American. Well, they have an open checkbook. Well, they do, sort of. But, I mean, their idea is to grow themselves out of debt. Right. Okay. Well, federally, but state legislatures can't do that. Well, not necessarily. I mean, you know. I mean, they. Some states can. I mean, you know, if people are influxing into that state, but Mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot of states, you know, especially New York, California, Mm -hmm. Michigan, you know, a lot of these bigger states, historically blue, 
we're seeing people leave those states, mm-hmm. um, and that's hurting those economies for sure. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to increase taxes and, and mm. do things that. You and know, they that, already have. Which is a causing more people to leave you know, on top That's of it. So, which is one of the reasons the Biden administration, you know, wants to get money into the hands of the states and the legislatures there. And it's one of the reasons that the Trump administration didn't want to because those are historically blue states and they didn't want to help them out. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Now, you talked about this being an event driven problem with the economy, but yep. yet. You shared with me a sheet of the last 30 years, and every single year on here has <laughs> an event. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talk to people about investing, and, you know, people think now's not a good time to invest. Well, there's always going to be a reason. I mean, if we look at this, you know, in 1991, the reason was we had the collapse of the Soviet Union. Nobody knew what was going to happen. 93, bombing of the World Trade Center. The world was in chaos. We didn't know what was going to happen. You know, you look at 97, we had the avian bird flu. Mm -hmm. Again, people were scared to death. 2001, we had September 11, and obviously temporarily that, you know, Mm -hmm. shut the economy down. We had 99, Y2K. We had 2000. Party like it's 1999. You know, in in 2008, we know what happened, the Great Recession, you know, and in 2005, we had Hurricane Katrina. In 2010, the U.S. poverty rate hit a 15-year high. You know, in 2012, we had Hurricane Sandy and the fiscal cliff. In 2015, we had an economic slowdown in China, which obviously plays around in the world. 2016, we had Brexit and President Trump mm-hmm. got elected. And again, our friends on the blue side of the aisle were extremely upset, but the economy went on. And we, we've had a great booming stock market. I think, you know, somewhere in the 13% average stock market returns, you know, since Trump took over. Not the best. I think, you know, Obama and Clinton mm-hmm. uh, actually had a little better rate of returns during the stock market, but pretty good. Well, um, if I can say what I'm hearing you say is it's not necessarily the political party in charge, but right. Warren Buffett always says invest in the United States. Yeah, and I mean, that's to a certain extent, that's true. You know, right now, I think we, if we look overseas and you look at China, which was the only country that grew last year positively, mm-hmm. you know, China's got a lot of good things going on. Now, there's some murkiness in China because of the Communist Party and so forth. But then we think that, you know, Biden's going to have a closer relationship with China mm-hmm. than Trump did or the administration will. So I think there's some opportunities there. So, you know, international investing has its risks, but it also sure. has rewards there as well. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, the markets are a little worried about under this administration is taxes. You know, Biden campaigned on the fact that he was going to increase the corporate tax rate, which could be negative for the markets, but they're feeding us this sugar high. So there's going right. to be some balance out there. But I do think that as we look forward, we all know that taxes are, are they're definitely going to go up. They have to. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'll do it in the middle of this pandemic, but I think come along 2022, we need to be looking at that. I think another thing that the Biden administration has put a lot of emphasis on is infrastructure. And somewhere in that $3 trillion neighborhood is about the price tag of the infrastructure bill that they want to do. Well, we need some 
infrastructure money. Well, we do, yeah. But the money to pay for that's got to come from somewhere right. as well. Sure. And the way they're going to pay for that is they're going to be taxes put into place on the wealthiest Americans and on corporate America. I think that's what we'll see. And that'll take a little bit off our GDP growth numbers and so forth. But, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that the party in control dominates what happens in the financial markets. At least if you look back in history, Mm -hmm. it definitely never has. But the policies that they put into place can have long-term ramifications. Okay. And and that's something that we've got to pay attention to, you know, what direction is the policy going in this country. And, you know, and I heard Yellen say the other day that she felt like that our country – could sustain a corporate tax increase, but it would need to be done with other countries around the world because that was one of the reasons that we were so uncompetitive is that other countries around the world had decreased the corporate tax bracket so much that U.S. companies were moving overseas. Do you happen to know how many moved back or have any numbers? I mean, I I know that a lot did, at least kind of shifted operations, but I don't know the numbers right off the top of my head, so... But, I mean, it's just really interesting as we kind of sit here today on this Inauguration Day, listening to our clients who are Republicans who are scared to death of the economy and where things are going. I think to your point, you know, the media and social media has played Mm -hmm. that up in a lot of people. Well, they just pick one thing. It's just like when it. The weather is cold and they're worried about black ice. It kills me. They'll find a piece of black ice on the road that's six (laughs) inches and point to it for three hours. And it's the only bit of black ice on the road. But that is what's sensational. Do you know the statistic, and you you know a lot of this stuff as well, but, you know, how many times do you have to tell somebody something? Yeah. Seven times. Seven times. So if you hear it over and over seven times, and we hear it a lot more than that, then you'll start to believe it. Right. And that's what's happening, I think, in a lot of this stuff is we're we're trying to figure it out. People are confused. They're getting hit and bombarded with news and information constantly. And it does affect our decision making. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes even myself, I just have to step away from that and say, okay, logically, how do we make rational non-emotional decisions Mm -hmm. and i think that's the key at this point take the emotion out of it look at where we are rationalize you know what is actually happening not what you want to happen not what you think is going to happen and make right decisions for yourself and your family moving forward here so so let's talk about investments just a little bit and the stock market because you know most of our listeners will be in the stock market with their 401ks etc and there's a lot of angst i guess you could say on both sides yeah so but you handed me this sheet about the 10 largest Russell 1000 companies as of the year 2000. Yep. And it's shocking some of these numbers that are here. Clearly, Microsoft has done very, very well, up 295% since 2000. But what shocks me is some of these General Electric is down 88%, Cisco 49%, ExxonMobil 11%. Citigroup, 90%. Lucent, did I say that right? Lucent. Lucent, yeah. Technologies down 90. I know I know who they are. I just yeah. couldn't say it. 96%. <laughs> so 
What is this telling us? Well, I mean, th- this goes to tell you right here that the market is cyclical. They're, right. they're always going to be winners. There's always going to be losers. You know, people get so emboldened in, in certain positions, you know, like, for example, if you worked for Cisco Systems, for example, which is, you know, headquartered mm-hmm. right down the road here from us, you might have had a lot of your retirement plan or your stock options in Cisco stock. And you can kind of see that over this time period, and this was through 930 of 20, that particular stock was from 2000 to 930 of 20 was down 49%. Whereas if you had your money in the S&P, it was up 124%. So am I hearing you say we should invest in the S&P? I mean, I know (laughs) that you can't give financial advice or anything like that, but that certainly seems to be the case. And I know, again, talking about the Oracle from Omaha. Omaha. (laughs) After his death, he is told his money will not be, will go into uh, funds, S&P, those types of things. Well, you know, I think it goes back to what we said earlier. One, it comes to your time horizon, your investment risk, and those type of things, you know. How much in risk are you willing to take? How long before you're going to need that money? I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it, you know, but diversification does matter. Mm-hmm. If you're a, a risky investor, you know, maybe you want 100% equities. Would I own personally 100% in the S&P? No. Right. You know, I think there's other places. And you've got mm-hmm. to be able to, I mean, the market's cyclical and it rotates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, small caps have done very well so far this year. You know, so you want to have different pieces of that basket and you, you kind of want to rotate with the market to figure out mm-hmm. where the market is going and so forth. So, you know, not to avoid your question, but, you know, we definitely don't want to give any investment advice sure. to people out there that we don't know. But Well, it, I understand everybody's situation is different. Yeah. I know Kimberly and I had to present to the Dean's Leadership Council at Yale about the campaign school. And so, of course, I did research on the people that are on that council Mm -hmm. and mostly they're there because they give money to the school and there was a a gentleman named Charles Ellis and he wrote a book called Winning the Losers Game Mm. and he definitely made a case for the S&P, that yeah. kind of thing. So. Yeah. yeah, and you hear a lot of that. I mean, you know, that's a lot of people's claim to fame is just kind of put it in the S&P and leave it there. And, you know, that works for some people and some people right. can't stomach the ride. Oh. <laughs> Are you making fun of me because I won't look at it <laughs> sometimes? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I think the, the key to all this is, you know, making sure that you have a plan and that you're paying attention to this. If you're not, working with somebody who is mm-hmm. and helping you to make the right decisions for you, your situation, your family, where you want to go, and, and not getting so bogged down in the politics and the political spectrum because ultimately as we've seen and we've talked about yeah they're going to be policy changes but the markets and uh, stocks and companies tend to adapt to those changes Mm -hmm. and you know we've always moved forward and i just don't see why this would be any different at this point well this is good news yeah i think it's good news well sharon you want to wrap it up here any concluding thoughts you would like to leave us with, Jeremy? <laughs> That's what you always uh, say. <laughs> well, you, you know, I think I kind of concluded there and, and, and kind of gave my spiel a little early. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just know your situation. Do the things that are right for you and your family. And don't get so bogged down in, uh, in the emotional side of it. Well, I think that's good with the stock market anyway. (laughs) Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah. Or investing in general. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So. All right. Well, we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, leave us a review, but only if it's positive. That's right. There's enough negativity in this world. And always tell others about us. You know, that's the only way we grow. And Sharon. We're in the top 50 medical podcasts in the country now. No. We're still trying to grow here. Yes. We want to be at least in the top 10. Yep. So tell others. It's right. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.